0: Join me and my expert guests as we delve into the many facets of owning the business and how to become a good, caring business owner. Listen how making a difference in your community can attract all sorts of clientele, which in turn will build you a better business.
1: Greetings of the day, listeners. My name is Steve Eschbach. I am the owner of Trans World Business Advisors of Naperville. I am one of about 225 offices that exist throughout the world. Transworld Business Advisors is a mergers and acquisitions firm. We are the largest and fastest growing in our field, and I am also the host of the podcast series Building Better Businesses. I'm delighted to have uh, a corporate executive turn multiple business owner Ryan Kugler with us today, I wish I could summarize briefly where he is now and how he would characterize himself, but I'm going to let him do that because I think it's best coming from him because like I said, he was a corporate executive like I was, he's now a multiple business owner like I am. And Ryan, first of all, thanks for joining me and let's get a little bit of a background on, or even a, not a background, just tell me how you characterize yourself today.
2: Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. So I am Ryan Kugler. I'm based in Los Angeles, California. Yes, I'm a business owner. Thank you for the introduction. And yes, I was part of a corporate business, which was actually a family business based in Florida. did it for about 15, 20 years and then decided on my own that, you know what, it was time I go and have my own business because when you're in a larger business, you see things that you might not agree with or want to do differently, but you have partners and other employees and you can't just do what you want to do. So I decided to... You know, take a chance and go out on my own and start a business, not only one business, not only two, but three at the same time, an event business, a marketing business, and a wholesale business, which was similar to the business I was in for the corporate world.
1: Excellent. Yeah. And uh, like I've told you before, during our preliminary discussion i find that many business owners that i encountered today are multiple business owners but let's uh let's kind of rewind the videotape if you will let's uh talk about your childhood you i know you were born and raised in chicago where i live now i was born and raised in new york so i have a different mindset than you do but in any event tell me a little bit about your childhood uh what were your passions back when you were kind of riding your tricycle on the streets in chicago and how your parents influenced where you uh kind of wound up on your way to college.
2: Yes, I was born and raised in Chicago, lived there for the first 10 years of my life where I learned to ride a tricycle bicycle. I think when I was riding a tricycle bicycle, all I wanted to do was start a business, make a business, do something with a business. That's what I thought about. But then my family moved to Los Angeles when I was 10 and I took a liking to the film industry because I lived near the movie studios, you know, Paramount, Universal and Disney and 20th Century Fox and all these different studios. And I had a whole summer off. And what I decided to do was actually ride my bike to the studios, get on a bike, ride five miles, three miles, 10 miles, wherever I went to, and just walk around a studio lot and learn how they make movies. And back then, you could actually just ride onto a studio lot. You just make a little lie and you get on the lot. So I walked around the lot and watched them film every major movie at the time. This was the summer of 87. I got signatures from all the major celebrities and stars from Eddie Murphy to Danny DeVito to Billy Crystal to Gregory Hines Uh, and then I would hang out on different TV sets at the time too and one of them was Cheers which was the most popular TV show at the time with Ted Danson and Kirstie Alley and Woody Harrelson and George Wendt and Ted came up to me and said who are you and what are you doing here and I told him I wanted to make movies and he gave me a wonderful opportunity and said okay you write a movie a short and you can direct me and anyone who's on the cast here I went great And I did it. It took me a few months to write this little small script and to get it together. And we shot it on his lunch hour and uh, made a nice little film. But, you know, when you're 13 years old making a film, it's not the highest quality, not the best production. And as I watch it today, I go, wow, I cannot believe I did that. Anyway, so from there, I realized I want to get the movie industry and throughout school, I wanted to pursue it. My father bought a company that distributed movies to video stores. Back when you used to rent a video, you walk into a Blockbuster, a Hollywood, a movie gallery, wherever you are in the country. So I kind of went through the back door, should I say, of the movie industry and started selling movies to video stores. From there, a wholesale business was created. And here I am today, not moving movies anymore because it's all digital and download, but uh, selling other items because our business grew from selling movies to Best Buy Circuit City at the time, Target. And they basically, when you sell a product to a retailer, they like that product, but they also buy other products and want other items. So our business escalated and went from just selling movies to pretty much everything now. So I own a wholesale business that buys and sells different widgets, as I call it.
1: So it sounds varied if if I can characterize it as such. Is that correct?
2: Yes, it's, it's varied. And it's actually, it's turned into, we're a secondary wholesaler. We're actually in the liquidation business. And we help companies move products that they can no longer use. It, it's come to their end of life. They've changed the packaging. So we work with all the major retailers, all the major manufacturers, wholesalers, when basically, if you've ever walked into a store and you see like a rack full of something and you keep going and seeing the rack full of it, and it's just not selling. Where does that product go? They sell to a company like us. They got to get it off the shelf and clear it for the new item for the summer.
1: There you go. So let's kind of go back to your interaction with Cheers, okay? So you demonstrate two things that I've often found and I profess quite a bit. Number one, visibility is key. Number two, it's not what you know, but who you know. And then three, you just never know. So, I mean, did you have any idea that you wanted to do what you wanted to do when Ted Danson asked you, hey, write something and I'll get you to, I'll get you the team you need to run the movie. Is that was your intent or did that just kind of fall into place?
2: It fell into place. I mean, it was my intent. So I originally had the passion, the intention, the purpose to go and learn movies and learn how to make movies. And I'd sit and watch them load film into a camera back when, you know, you had a camera and you put the reels in there. So I sat there and watched it and I sat and watched the director and sat and watched the lighting. So I was watching these things. So I had the intention to be a director, to be honest with you. So I was learning these different things. Now, when Ted came up and said, who are you, what do you do? And he said, you know, it wasn't my intention to hire Ted or to make a movie with him. So he presented that opportunity to me and I said, great, and ran with it. So I feel that, you know, everything does turn into an opportunity, like you said, like who you know. Well, I was getting onto the studio a lot and met friends and met certain people and just kept. I, I call it outflowing. I just kept talking to people. I kept making connections, networking, and so forth. And here I am, 12, 13 years old, and I'm networking. I'm walking on to different stages, stage 25, 26, 27. You know, met uh, Michael J. Fox and his co-star, Tina Yothers, I think is her name, which was the blonde girl in Family Ties. So I would go and meet these different people and just say, this is what I do. And I was just, you know, a young, vibrant, you know, youngster that wanted to talk to people and meet people and say hello.
1: Wow, that's exciting. So I would imagine all those uh, experiences while you were in your formative years kind of formed the basis for your education going forward. Is that correct? So when you went to college, what was your degree in?
2: I'm going to be honest, I didn't go to college. There you go. So I I went to high school, I completed high school, I did some college classes, but I was so interested. I had so much intent on creating a business, going to work. I used to like go to when I was in high school. I used to take a briefcase to school, not a backpack. So I was so under the mock up or the world of being a businessman, of doing something and creating something that I just was just kept carrying it through. So, yes, I was talkative and networking. And yes, that helped me to be a better business person today because in business, yes, I own three businesses, but basically, I'm a salesman. I'm on the phone, I'm talking to people, I'm closing deals, I'm buying, I'm selling. So I'm constantly networking and talking to people and saying hello and finding new people and introducing myself. And I believe that is the key to business and to doing well Is you're constantly talking and presenting yourself and what you do and who you do and how you do it so that people go, hey, I want to use you. I want to hire you. I want to sell you something. I want to buy something from you, whether you're a real estate agent, a car salesman or selling makeup at the Macy's counter, if you're engaging and have a great personality, then yes, you will then attract and get response back.
1: I hear you. I hear you. So even though in your formative years, you wanted to be a business owner, you actually had a corporate job to start off, correct? Mm -hmm. And and it only took you 15 or 20 years to realize that you needed to uh, live your passion, if I could characterize it as such. So after that amount of time, you said, I really want to be a business owner. What was the driving force or the aha moment that said, you know what? I've been in corporate for 15 or 20 years. I've got to go do this on my own. Was there any major event that kind of triggered that?
2: You know, it was years in the making. I was partners with my family. I learned so much from my father and my brothers. And I don't have any disdain or anything towards them. I feel that, you know, whether it's your your father, your mother, your brothers, who your business partners with, or just business partners or a best friend, there's always going to be some disagreement. Some, you know, I think I could do it this way, but this person doesn't want me to. So I was really saying, listen, the division that I was running, the the area that I was in charge of at the corporate business, which was based out of Florida, was the largest division for the company, and I felt that you know what, this division can excel and do better if I was fully in charge. So was there a deciding factor? You know, not to get into personal issues, but you know, it probably came down to money. Or, or uh, allowances to do things or something like that. Not saying I was, you know, oppressed or suppressed, but I was just like, you know what? I think I'm going to go in this direction and I will go that direction. And, and it, it's fine. Everything ended amicably and it was great. And, you know, my brother and I still talk and my father, we talk every week, but it was just, I wanted to go out and create this own thing. Plus also the division was growing and I felt that it was just time for a change.
1: So, Ryan, you know, it's interesting that not only did you become a business owner, you became a multiple business owner. And the podcast series is called Building Better Businesses. And that was designed to be in general about one person and one business. You're one person and three businesses. So let me ask. And and one of them did fail because of COVID-19, correct? Yes.
2: Yes. I have an event business that March a week ago this year, March 6th or 7th, we did two huge events. And then sh- shut down everything, got, you know, rescheduled, postponed, canceled all the events. We had some 30 events and we're continuing to still reschedule them. Now we're going into 2022.
1: So there's a dynamic in the business environment. You're always dealing with elements that change and you've got to be able to react quickly. But my first question for you is that you started a business and then there were a couple more after that. What prompted you to be the so-called multiple business owner that I find I meet often? How did that come about?
2: You know, that is a good question. Very good observation there. And just, you know, when I started, when I left the family business, the corporate world, and I started my own business called Plan B, A Plan B, Plan B Distribution, at the same time, it was just coincidental that I started the other two businesses. Did I decide and wake up one morning, let's start all three? I did and I didn't. I did wake up and say, you know what? I want to have three sources of income. I want to go home happy every day. Because when you have one business, you do know that some days you'll have a bad day, you'll lose something, the finances are bad, you don't get a loan, you don't make a sale, and then you go home and go, that sucks. So I decide, you know what, I'm going to really play the game and I'm going to have three different businesses so that I can never go home not happy. So that way, if, if one business is down one day or two businesses are down, there's no way all three will be down, which is true. And it hasn't happened in the six, seven years that I've had the three businesses, The event business, sure, it's not going great right now due to COVID, although now we're signing events again. But it was like, you know, okay, I don't really care because it's in the other hand. You don't really look at it because you got the two in this hand. So I go, okay, well, I got the two other businesses. So I really said, listen, I'm going to take my chances, have three businesses and three separate verticals, three separate industries. So that way, also, if there's an economy problem, you know, a pandemic, a recession, There's no way I can hit all three businesses, which has been true thus far. So that's been kind of why I wanted to make sure I never had a money problem, never had an issue of a bad day, never had, oh, my God, life sucks. This is horrible. The world's coming undone because I go, well, it's only the one business. I have the two others.
1: Yeah, you clearly demonstrate that diversification not only works at investing, but in you as a business owner, but uh, you didn't say it, but I've got to believe that this is part of the reason why you are successful where you are today. You do, or you must have teams at these businesses. You are not a solopreneur at, three, at all three businesses. I've got to believe you're bringing subject matter experts to help you excel at what you're doing. You didn't say it, but I know you want to say it now, right?
2: Yes, I will. Okay, so I call it a layered company. So I have basically five full-time employees. And the five full-time employees actually work all three companies. And I do that for one main reason, so that they go home happy. Because you know when you have the same job and you do the same thing over and over, you know, let's just say you're working on a conveyor belt and you're just stamping something, gets a little dull, gets a little crazy, gets a little like mind-boggling. So the five employees are working on, sure, they're going to work on an event on a Saturday. They're going to help with the marketing company. They're going to help with the wholesale business. So they do all three and it's fun and it's exciting. And those five are here. Now, yes, we have other people too. When we have an event, we need to hire anywhere from 10 to 20 people and 50 to hundred volunteers. So when we have an event, we, you know, are technically you could say we have 200 people the day of. For the marketing business, yes, we have a factory. We have three factories overseas. And sure, there's 10 to 20 people in there. With the wholesale business, yes, we have a warehouse in Chicago that we rent from near O'Hare. So there's ten or got 10 or 15 guys there. So yes, we have other people. And yes, I have I believe in delegation. As much as I want to do everything on my own, I do delegate. This person does the copywriting. This person does the marketing. This person does the shipping. This person pays the bills. This person answers the phones. This person sends out the packages. And obviously, when it comes to, you know, finance and you know money and all that, hey, we hire this person to do our taxes. We hire this person to pay our bills. So I do believe in jobbing it out. And especially in this last year with the COVID world, it's become more real that, giving, you know, hiring it out, jobbing it out, hiring subcontractors is the way to go.
1: So uh, one of the questions I have for you is how do you start a, a new business in today's world? And let me take a pause there before you answer. As you got to where you are today, was there any one person that gave you a tremendous piece of advice in terms of you starting your business and then taking that to the next level over time what advice would you give a new entrepreneur in terms of setting up a business? I hope that's not too convoluted there, but what, what's your what's your response there?
2: That's a good question. So number one, I, I think I attribute my business success or starting a new business or a new division to what I learned in the corporate world with the family business that was based out of Florida. When you're in a business for 15, 20 years like that, you do start new divisions, you start new, you know, DBAs and so forth. So I basically learned it from my father, from my brothers on how to do that the part that I did not learn that when I started the three businesses is how to get like a business license and a permit. That was a little bit of a mind-boggling thing because it's a little bit of work, especially when dealing with government officials. Hey, I want to start this business. You got to fill this paperwork. You got to wait. You got to show this. You got to show invoices or corporate identity or something like that. That's the advice. The best advice I got was doing it. And that's why I always suggest I would suggest before you start your own business, maybe go out and work for another person first to learn a few things, because there is a lot to gain and learn from other successful people doing business like yourself. I would say starting a new business, first is yes, try to do it yourself. But second, surround yourself with people, hire people that know it. And when I mean hire people that know it, hire the right CPA firm or the right lawyer who does it. Don't hire, and and please don't take any offense to this, but don't hire just Joe Blow who has a Gmail address, okay? Who's a buddy of yours. Hire someone who's actually has a corporate address, a real placard on the building type thing. Because I feel there's, if they've invested the time, meaning the person you're hiring, if that person invested the time to build a website, to go rent space, to go and put a sign on a building or in front of a building, then they're more invested in their business. I deal with a lot of people, unfortunately, That really nothing, you know, working from home is a very common thing now, and with all due respect, but people who just haven't invested in a website and haven't gotten a Gmail account. I mean, you you and I and everyone listening probably gets emails all day long saying, hey, I'll do your SEO for you. Hey, I'll build your website for you. These spam emails. And you look, there's no signature. There's no name. The phone number is a cell phone. The email is a Gmail. There's not even a website. There's not an address. And I'm like, this this guy's like a fly by night. How do I know I can trust sending this guy 510 G's? To build me a website and will it get done in 30 to 60 days? Or if you go to a company that has an address and you Google it, and you see they have a building, and you know, and then you go to their website and you see all these people and the ratings and all that, you go, oh, I feel more comfortable. So that's what I would suggest with starting a new business. Surround yourself with people who have started a business and are running a successful business now and who have the credentials and so forth.
1: So, what would you say is your biggest challenge today, given all that you've experienced, both in corporate? running one, now two or three businesses. And I don't think you really shut down that event planning business because it sounds like it's still there. Correct
2: it's, okay. On. So the the event planning business was mothballed. Okay. So from last March 7th through probably about September, it was constantly rescheduling events because we all thought the pandemic was only going to be a few weeks. If you remember, our right. local governors and mayors said, Hey, just hunker down for a few weeks. So we all thought it was going to be short. So You're right. I I was working. I was rescheduling events. And then finally, in September, I got sick of rescheduling events and sick of just constantly calling to get new permits. And I just said, that's it. We're moving this to 2021. So now here we are in almost basically March. And now we do have people calling us saying, OK, I want to book the event. I want to go here. So, yes, we're back in action. We were really just on hiatus or mothballed for a while. So it it got shut down because there was honestly no income from March 7th up until probably a week ago, which kind of sucks. Because I'm still paying, you know, business insurance, and licenses and website and hosting and all that. So, but your other question was, sorry, I forgot.
1: Uh, What do you like best about, so it was either the challenge today, which I think you've covered. Yes. And you've done it adequately. You don't just kind of shut it down. You kind of monitor peripheral events to see if there's opportunities for you. And like you said, you didn't shut it down. You mothballed it. You paused it, if you will. But um, so what do you like best about all of this? It sounds like there are so many balls in the air, but I think you're kind of talented to be able to handle that. Am I right?
2: I am. Thank you. I remember your question. It was what are the challenges of today, which is a great question. The challenges of today are people and technology. So technology first. So technology is always changing. And I mean, technology like a little stupid thing like Microsoft sending updates or your computer updating and then all of a sudden you look and you can't send the email the way you used to or something like that. So I find technology and I'm not very tech savvy because technically I own three businesses that are physical. They're not software. They're not IT based. So to me, that is the biggest challenge. But I will say the younger group coming out of high school, the kids today, they do know technology and that is a great asset. The second is the people. So I think that unfortunately, the world has changed a little bit more. Where people, the the you know the way I was raised was you just deal with it. You you just you just deal with whatever's going on. And you just roll with the punches. And I think today there's more of a sense of entitlement and sensitivity that you need to be aware of and be cognizant of and work with more. Where when I grew up, it's like, hey, do you this is the price? And then someone would get mad at you, and you're like, I just made you an offer. I apologize. I didn't mean to offend you. So that's something. So we have to be more sensitive today to to the issues that are out there. So that's what I say. And then your next question is, what's the best business or what, what keeps me going? You know, I, I love all three businesses. You know, it's not like it's always a pleasurable day when I go home, meaning I do go home happy. But I will say yes, in any business from the event business, maybe a lot of people don't show up to the event. Well, that's not great. Okay, that's a bummer. And we have extra food that we bought for or something like that. Or the marketing business, maybe the customer's not happy because there's something wrong with the marketing piece we made. Or the wholesale business, maybe there's, I mean, the stories I can tell you of things that have happened, you know, this last year for shipping, wholesale business has been very challenging because of trucking. There's not a lot of trucks on the road and there's been a lot of shipments delayed. And maybe maybe your listeners have seen this. If they've ordered an Amazon product, it's a few days delayed. Shipping has been an issue. We had a truck stolen in the last because they wanted something that was on the truck so bad. And it was like we had to call the police. And this actually happened probably two or three times over the last 10 months. We're in my 27 years doing this, never had to call the police on a truck missing. So so there's always something fun and different that makes each business fun and exciting.
1: Yeah, I had a Christmas package I sent to my kids in Connecticut. And because it was oversized, I called the post office and they said, oh, because it's oversized, it probably got put to the side. Well, they said, thanks for calling because we forgot to go check on it. So, and I literally got a Christmas card uh, in February that was sent well before Christmas. So you got to expect those and be prepared for it. Um, So your ideal client, you're one of the few that I've interviewed that you're basically a physical business. Technology is secondarily. So what would you say is your best? And I don't know if they're one and the same for the three businesses, but what's an ideal client for you?
2: An ideal client is someone that pays their bills. (laughs) I think oh, that's nice. in any business. Uh, an ideal client is someone that's actually nice and appreciative, and, and rolls with the punches. An ideal client is someone who who isn't difficult. And I don't mean that in any disrespect, but there are just there, there's a new term out there that people are starting. I thought I coined the term, and I'm going to say it in a second, but I started hearing other corporations using it called PETA, pain in the ass. So there are PETA clients. And those clients, you just, you have to pay a little bit more attention to, and they want a little bit more and they want to pay less. And so the ideal client is obviously the opposite of that. It's someone who just says, hey, man, let's just order this and it's going to be great and love it. Hey, okay. You know, if there is a tiny, if they have a complaint or whatever, they go, hey, here's my complaint, but I don't really care. I just wanted you to know it. So you improve your business later. That's the ideal client.
1: So I will summarize that and forgive me if I don't get it correctly, but you'll have a chance to embellish. Relationships are key. And listening, learning, and responding is a lot more effective than telling, meaning that you want to respect your customer, and if you can help them, great, and that's how you want to do it. Did I get that right?
2: You did get it right, but I also think the key is communication. I mean, communication is the key to anything and everything. And one reason I am successful with three businesses is because I communicate. Every email I get, unless it's spam, like from Pottery Barn trying to sell me a dresser, I reply to. So it is my policy, no matter what, I reply to an email. Number two, it is my policy that I reply to all emails if I'm in the office by the end of the day. So when I go home, my inbox is empty. And by the way, I have three inboxes, secondly, because I have three companies. So communication is key. And to me, that goes with what you just said, because you're respecting the customer, respecting the client, respecting your associates, your employees, et cetera, by replying to their communication. And I found that to be, One of the things that I, you know, I pride ourselves, our companies, we we might not be the cheapest, but we have the highest quality quality and the highest customer service because our employees always, always, always reply to emails immediately when they get it. And that way, your client, your associate, your customer, your vendor, whoever is happy and goes, hey, this guy's a good guy, man, because people love communication.
1: That is great. That's a great principle to follow. I could go on and on with more questions, but Uh, Two final questions before we end. Number one, is there anything that I didn't ask you or any item, any advice, anything you want to say that we didn't cover?
2: You know, it's funny when I talk to people, not that I own a podcast or anything like you do, so kudos. I always say, what's the craziest thing you've ever seen or experienced in your life of whatever we're talking about, business or friendship or wherever? And I always find that interesting because everyone has an interesting story a crazy story. Yes, we talked about the Cheers video. That's cool. But there's always a part of someone's life like the story you told me about the car covered in stone. There's always some story that someone has that just makes them go, wow, that you look back and go, yeah, that is kind of interesting. Wow, that's kind of neat. I never thought of that.
1: But, you know, to your point earlier with your interaction with the Cheers cast, you didn't go in there that day as I want to do a, a short video, short movie with stars that are popular today. That just happened because you were just there you struck up a conversation and it just kind of flowed. And, you know, you just took the you took it to where it would go. So good for you.
2: That is true. And you're right. And because I went to the lot every day, I, Paramount, I probably visited the most out of any because it was the closest to my house, Paramount Studios. But it was my intention to make movies. I want to be a director. It just came in a different way. You're right. I wasn't going there looking for a job. I just happened to be going there every day and saying, hey, this is what I want to do. And then someone said, hey, well, guess what? We're going to hire you. They didn't pay me, but we we're going to ask you to do this for us.
1: Well, Brian, I got to tell you that there is nothing more impressive than the passion you're demonstrating just now. So kudos to you. Last question I have, where can the audience go to find out more information about you, your businesses, anything else you think would be helpful for them?
2: Uh, They can. I do have my own personal website, ryankugler.com, R-Y-A-N-K-U-G-L-E-R.com. And then, of course, from there, you can then see the three businesses I own, um, any articles on myself, but basically, you know, the event business is called A5 Events, the letter A, the number five, events.com. The marketing business, we make specialized marketing material for people. That's called idealcontent.com. And then my uh, wholesale business is called dot com, like a plan that's B. Great.
1: There you go. Brian, thanks so much. I appreciate you sharing your insights. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation and thanks again. Take care. audience.
0: Join me and my expert guests as we delve into the many facets of owning the business and how to become a good, caring business owner. Listen how making a difference in your community can attract all sorts of clientele, which in turn will build you a better business.